justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading is Luke 1, beginning at verse 39. Mary's just been visited by the angel Gabriel, and he's told her that she'll be having a baby and who that baby will be. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in a hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Right. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, we pray that you will open our minds to hear your word. Open our hearts to love you more and inspire our wills to serve you better. For Jesus' sake, amen. I think it's Hanukkah, isn't it? Does anybody know for, for definite? I think it's Hanukkah. Um, oh, hang on, I'm not switched on. Sorry, Jacob, I keep doing this. Am I on? I'm on. Oh, okay, that's fine. Good. And a few weeks ago, of course, it was, it was uh, Diwali and we've got some um, Hindu neighbours and we wished them the greetings of the season. Um, and we have some very good friends who are Muslims, people from other faiths who have their own understanding of, of God, of the divine, often very spiritual people. Um, and it makes me in some ways quite troubled because I think they've got it wrong in all sorts of ways about what God is like as much as I respect um, the positions that they come from. But I want you to imagine today that one of those people came up to you and said, tell me, what's your God like? How is your God different from any other deity that's worshipped in the world? What is your God like and how do you know? 
How do you know what your God is like? For many faiths, God seems to be someone who you have to appease and work hard and fulfil all the requirements um, in order to please that God. So what's your God like? And I think one of the starting points that I would use with those people would be to say, my God wants to know me. He actually wants a relationship with his people. One of the very first pictures in Adam, uh, in, in Genesis, we have God walking in the garden with Adam, his creature, not somehow down there to serve him, but his friend walking with him. Now, this is actually very important because the whole of the Bible, read today's uh, collect, if you like, actually, it's all about the Bible, it's wonderful. Um, but all of the Bible is telling us about a God who wants to reach out to contact his people. Abraham, no Bible, no synagogue, no temple, and God says, Abraham, I want you to get up from where you are and go somewhere else. And don't worry, because I'll be with you, and I've got lots of promises for you, and I'm going to fulfil them all. How that happened, I don't know, but I do know that without a Bible or a temple or priests, probably it had to be fairly direct. And Abraham knew that God had reached out to him. And Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses, he'd made a bit of a botch up of his life so far. Mind you, it was hardly his fault. He came from a fairly dysfunctional start. Um, and he ends up tending sheep and God comes in a burning bush and says, Moses. And you know, one of the first things he does for Moses is he gives him his name. Moses says, what shall I say to the people when I go to your people and tell them that you want to set them free? Who shall I say you are? What is my God like? And God said, I am. I'm the source of all being, the source of all knowing. That's all they need to know. And then, of course, there were lots of prophets and they all came along. And in some ways, once we start looking at prophets, it gets a bit complicated because many of them were talking into the culture that they were speaking about. We had in the, in the Isaiah reading about Naphtali and Zebulun and the need for deliverance from a horrible enemy. And yet somehow within the prophecies of those learned and inspired and spirit-filled men, there was a kind of resonance, and I don't know how much they understood of the resonance of what they were saying, but it went right through the ages. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So this Advent, you've probably heard me say this before this year if you've been to one of the other services, but Advent comes obviously from the Latin advenio, to come towards and this is all about, what is my God like? He wants to come to me. He wants to come into his world. And so the God that reaches out so, so powerfully finally comes to the climax of that reaching out when he actually comes to us in Jesus. When he comes in what we call the incarnation, the becoming of God who is transcendent beyond anything we can understand into a life of humanity. And you know, he didn't come like Adam as a ready-made adult. He came as a tiny, vulnerable, messy baby and shared in every way our humanity. 
This is what my God is like. He is beyond anything I can imagine, and yet he wants so much to love and embrace and redeem and change the world that he comes as a tiny baby to share my humanity. And as he did, as he lived for 33 years, he showed the nature of God. What is God like? We see God in Jesus. What does God want? We see that in the priorities that Jesus showed for the weak, the vulnerable, the sick, the poor, the outcast, and the sinner. In Mary's lovely song, which was just um, read to us, he takes down the mighty and he lifts up the poor and the needy and those who have got problems. He wanted us to know him so much that he came to us. I read something quite interesting this week that I hadn't actually thought about. It's a bit theological, so you can switch off for 20 seconds if you like. But the question was, when Jesus took on humanity as well as divinity and walked this earth as God and man, and then he went back to heaven, he took humanity with him. And even now in heaven, Jesus is eternal, almighty, transcendent God carrying our humanity into the heart of the Godhead where we are invited to share with Father, Son and Holy Spirit in that life of love and mutuality. So that brings us to names. Names have always been important. I started off by, by talking about I am. An awful lot of the prophets called their poor children by the most appalling names because they represented something they wanted to say to the people. I mean, who on earth would want to turn up at school with Mahashalil Hashbaz? Um, and the, pro the prophets uh, used names as a way of communicating. And that was very common in all Bible times. Jesus said, you are Peter, Petros, because on you I'm going to build, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. I don't know whether Barnabas was born Barnabas, but he certainly lived up to his name, a son of encouragement. Names were incredibly important. And names that refer to God are always intended to tell us, what is my God like? Jesus was the Messiah sent to reveal what God was like. And if you include all the prophecies about him in the Old Testament and the things that were said about him in the New, he's got an awful lot of names. And I'm jolly glad there wasn't a registrar of births in first century uh, Galilee, uh, and Nazareth, because he would have had to have a, at least two forms to put them all on. Because Jesus came with a plethora of names. Why? Because each one of them, the ones that were foretold about him in the Old Testament and the ones that he was given in the New, say something about God incarnate. In other words, about something about God. Isaiah 9, of course, was about the current political situation, and we're not quite sure who this child that was going to be born would be. But I tell you what, whoever he was, if he was the son of Hezekiah or whoever he was going to be, and Isaiah says his name is going to be called, well, wonderful, counsellor, prince of peace, but mighty God, everlasting father. Clearly, in this prophecy, there was something going on more than just a current political prophecy. And so the God who transcends time and history 
and place has always had an agenda. And it's the same agenda from the beginning of time to today in Emmanuel Stoughton on the 10th of December, 2023. It is to transform, to save, to bring light, to bring wholeness. And if we find that hard when we look at the news of what's going on in, in Israel and Gaza and in Ukraine and in the lives of many people whose needs are enormous, whether they're physical or spiritual or material, God cares. And just as he cared for the land of Israel in the Old Testament, he cares now. And yes, it's hard. People will say to us, yes, but why doesn't God sort it all out? Well, you know, every time there is an act of wisdom, of love, of self-giving, God is actually intervening in our world. And that's why we should pray constantly for people of peace, people of wisdom, acts of kindness and generosity in our benighted world. But we are also promised that one day Jesus will come again and that kingdom of peace, which was always God's agenda, will happen. So let's move on to the names. The names that were given to Jesus about Jesus in those prophecies and in the New Testament are about all sorts of cosmic and international things that I've just spoken about. But you know what, for the rest of this little talk, I'm going to focus on the personal. I'm going to say this Advent, let's pause in our seeking God for the world and for everything, because we must go on doing that. But isn't it hard? Isn't it painful? I can't even watch the news some nights. It's just so awful. So let's pause from that. And let's go back to our first question. What is your God like? What is your God like for you personally today, tomorrow when you're back to the more mundane things? This is my God. And I just pray that this Advent and Christmas, we might see with new eyes, perhaps as we never have before, however long we've been Christians, that we might see in a new way the wonder of the Messiah. Jesus comes to me today. Do you believe that? By his Holy Spirit poured into our hearts, everything that my God is like comes to me. I know that because one of his names is Emmanuel. In, Emmanuel, in Isaiah 7 that John preached on for us last week, we're told, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. So the first thing I can take with me is that as I go home now and as I go into tomorrow, right beside me, closer than breathing, in the very presence of my heart and my home and my life, is God, almighty God, through Jesus Christ, empowered by his spirit, God is with me. Emmanuel, God with us. I love the fact that our church is called Emmanuel. It lives with me um, a lot and that's just so lovely. He shares our walk. He shares our humanity. And then these wonderful names in Isaiah. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. We're not quite sure whether those are adjective and noun or whether they are two separate things. So I'm going to separate them anyway. He is wonderful. Have we lost our sense of wonder? What is your God like? My God is wonderful. 
He is worthy of all the wonder and awe and glory and praise that I can give him. Have I lost the awe of silent worship? I have, I'm too busy. Goodness knows I'm retired. I didn't ought to be that busy, did I? But we have lost the silent wonder. Jesus, our friend and companion, is the wonderful one. Have we lost that wonder? He's a counsellor. Do we need wisdom? Are we perplexed? God has promised his spirit to give us the ability to see things differently. I've mentioned this before. There's um, one of the modern-ish hymns that we sing. It says, give me wisdom to see things like you do. I like that line because I think I often see things in a very funny funny way. And my narrative of what's going on in my life is not necessarily God's. My narrative is often a moany, self-pitying, um, rather petulant one. And I don't think that's the one God wants me to have, actually. So the counsellor, the wisdom, the discernment that God longs to pour into us is to be able to see things the way he does and then to make the choices that he wants us to make from the littlest ones to the biggest ones. He is our wonderful counsellor. He is our mighty God. There is no one else that can be described as the mighty God other than the mighty God. And as that mighty God comes to me in the life and presence of Jesus Christ through his spirit, he is mighty. Are there things today that you're thinking God can't do? Are you th things today that you're thinking are somehow beyond the miracle that God could change? When we were praying in the vestry, it was just occurring to me how incredibly gloomy life is at the moment. I hate this time of year, do you? I don't think I suffer from sad clinically, but I do hate this gloomy time of year. And it's gloomy in the news. And it's gloomy because everyone's had bugs and they're all getting over them and feeling fed up. And there's such a lot to do. And it's all a bit gloomy. And we are given the opportunity to call on our God what is my God like? He's a God who can change things. He can make them different. He can make today new. He can make this Christmas the most powerful experience of the coming of Jesus Christ into our hearts that we've ever had, where meek souls will receive him. Still the Lord Christ enters in. He is the mighty God. Do we need to receive afresh the living God in our lives by the empowering of his spirit. He's Father, the everlasting Father. Father can be tricky for some people. The, the idea of Father for many people is wonderful and for others isn't because we live in a broken world where sometimes fatherhood hasn't been exercised as it should be or there hasn't been Father at all. So I'm aware of that, but try to imagine a perfect loving, caring one, a shepherd if it's easier for you, someone whose arms just long to enfold you, to be the everlasting arms underneath, the wing under which you can shelter, the one who knows you better than you know yourself and yet will always love you infinitely and totally, the everlasting Father. Do we trust him for eternity? The older you get, the harder that gets, believe me. Do we trust him for eternity?
the everlasting Father, whose kingdom will have no end, and who in this uh, agenda that God has will finally be fulfilled at the day when Jesus comes again and the kingdom of God is restored perfectly. Read again Revelation 21. It does you good now and again. And he is the Prince of Peace. Yes, we long for peace in a disordered world and every act of love and wisdom and peacemaking reflects his kingdom. But what about me personally? What is my God like? He can give me peace. He is peace. And I can find in Jesus a way to somehow enfold all those things that take away peace, anxiety about the future, trouble, dismay, distress, all the words you can think of. He, this Christmas, longs to be for us the Prince of Peace. Am I willing to sit in a quiet place with him until he gives me his peace? And then, of course, in Matthew 1, because I can't leave this one out, uh, Joseph was told by the angel, it's okay, you can marry Mary, because the baby she's going to have is from God, that's okay, you don't have to worry about it, but you're going to look after him, and you're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What a wonderful name for the Son of God. What is my God like? He's all those things and he saves. That means that if all the things that I've said about our wonderful God seem almost too high in the sky, between me and the wonder of the presence of the Almighty God is the cross. And Jesus died on that cross to be my saviour, to overcome all in me that stands between me and my God. And he died that I might be forgiven, that death and evil might be overcome in this world and even more powerfully in the next. And I love the final words of that reading. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I can remember endless school carol services, and we always ended up with that. And I thought, it's a funny thing to end up with, isn't it? And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And I thought, what does that mean? But of course, it means that God, this powerful God, will jolly well do it. It will happen. There will be a second coming. There will be a kingdom, a new heaven, and a new earth. And in the meantime, this Christmas, there will be renewal. Renewal in my life and yours as we ask the Holy Spirit to come to us. I'm going to do three things now. The first thing is I'm going to just say a prayer. Then I'm going to leave a moment of silence, at which point I might ask you to stand if you'd like to do that. Um, and just ask the Holy Spirit to pour into your heart something fresh. And then I'm going to do something perhaps a little bit different. Put your hand up if when you hear, and his name shall be called, you can't not sing it. Put your hand up if you have to sing it. Do you have to sing it? Yes, of course you do. Whether you've sung it at school or heard it on a choir. Terry and I usually listen to Messiah at some point over Christmas. Um, and so as a little treat, um, when I finish that, we're going to listen to that extract from Messiah. If it's not your thing, it's all right. It's three minutes and 20 seconds. You can survive that long. Um, uh, but if you love it, could I ask you just to listen afresh to the words in a way that perhaps you haven't ever done? And then I want you to choose which one of those names of God most speaks to your heart today. 
and just go out from here saying it. Wonderful, wonderful. Or perhaps saying, Prince of Peace. Whatever it is that most strikes you, would you take it with you today? And if you can't stop singing it for the rest of the day because it's going to be an earworm, as I'm sure it's going to be for me, then turn it into something good. What is my God like? My God is beyond words. My God is amazing. My God came as Jesus to live with me and comes by his Holy Spirit to live within me. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Jesus. What a wonderful name. Let's pray. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, Saviour, draw near in my life, in my place, in my circumstances. Be Emmanuel to me. Give a new wonder at the wonderful one who is God, yet dies for me and lives in me by his Spirit. Show me wisdom. Give me your leading. Help me to reimagine the narrative of where I am right now to one of hope and trust. Mighty God, I bring you the unsolvable things in my world of worry. Everlasting Father, come to me in my need to be understood, to be loved. Let me feel your acceptance and love as never before. Let your Spirit pour your love into my heart, that I might know you enfolding me in your everlasting arms. Prince of Peace, my turmoil and dismay at the state of the world I bring to you. And perhaps a bit guiltily because of these huge issues. Prince of Peace, I bring to you my own personal turmoil. Jesus, name above all names. Save me, saviour of the world. Bring me afresh to the point of surrender. Forgive me. Remind me of what it cost you to save me. Forgive, rescue, and give me the assurance that in your saving name there is victory over death, that you have conquered all that stands between me and heaven, now and in eternity. We're going to have a moment of silence. Perhaps you'd like to stand, if that's comfortable for you. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just speak into our hearts that which is most needful for us at this time. What is my God like? He is wonderful. And he comes to me now through his Spirit. I'm going to invite you to sit and to listen, perhaps mindfully, to the words of this very passage interpreted by Handel. <laughs> 